Captain Kyle Smith, and this week I sat down for a morning meeting with retired San Diego Fire Department Captain Zeke Sanchez and his daughter Christina. Zeke shares with us the pitfalls to avoid when raising a family as a firefighter, and Christina shares her perspective as someone growing up with a parent on the job. I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, hey Zeke and Christina, welcome to the bullpen. Thanks for meeting me. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah, well, this is the uh, first for the firehouse where we have a father and daughter duo. Uh, I'm very excited, not only because of my personal uh, experience with you, Zeke, on the fire department, but Christina, yours and my uh, past uh, history as soccer players at Santa Clara. This is very, uh, very unusual, but very cool. So thank you both for being here. <laughs> very cool. I agree. Thank you. Uh, I was sharing a story with your dad earlier, Christina, about um, coming off the line on the witch fire back, I guess, I, it would have been about 2007 or something. Mm -hmm. And we came off the line and we're all worn out and tired from this huge uh, campaign fire. And we come into the, to the tents over at the base camp and there you were. And I, it was the first time I had seen you in a really long time. And I, I remember thinking, God, what, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> your dad's supposed to be here, what are you doing? But you were a chiropractor volunteering your time to yep. help us come, us people that were coming off the lines just to kind of give us adjustments and put us back back in service. And I, I just want to say thank you for that. That was awesome. Well, thank you. I mean, that was a, that was a once in a lifetime experience I got to share with my father. Uh, I still don't know if I can tell it without crying because it was a very emotional moment, but also not just my father, I was raised on this department. And so, I mean, all the different, you know, firefighters over the years who, I don't, can't tell you how many times I heard, I knew you since you were knee high. Like, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I heard it that day, yeah. right? So it, it was a full circle moment for me. My father stepped off that bus after I waited for hours and hours and hours. That was an incredibly emotional and very special experience and that I, he stepped off that bus to me and I got to see him. So it was a very unique and very privileged experience that I got to have with him. Oh, that's so cool. And, and I think you said it perfectly, Christina, that it had come first full circle that this really is a family. The fire service mm -hmm. is a family. And when you can literally share experiences with your family, I'm, I'm imagining uh, that had to be special for both of you. Am I right there, Zeke? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like she said, it was, I wasn't expecting her or anticipating that she was going to be there. But when she was, literally, I was looking at an angel. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, makes me proud. Uh, as you can see, the emotions right. coming up. <laughs> Starting out the gate stronger, well, Kyle. I, that was not my intent. That was not my intent, guys. I know. All, all it's meant to say is um, I appreciate uh, having you guys here. I appreciate, uh, Zeke, your service to the city of San Diego and Christine, your service to us um, working on the, on the line with us back there uh, back You're in welcome. 2008. Um, so fast forwarding to today, um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're all doing all these meetings via Zoom. How has, how has life changed for you, Zeke, since retiring and then um, all the way up until the pandemic? What's, uh, what's been going on in your life? Well, you know, since this pandemic broke out, obviously it's brought a lot of, of what I was used to doing, that having that freedom to do what I normally do, for example, I probably would have visited Christina two or three times in that, that time frame uh, and played golf over Pinehurst golf courses. <laughs> but, you know, travel has, has shut down quite a bit. Uh, the isolation, you know, trying to stay away because ha having been exposed to all that we've been exposed and as 
as you well know, Kyle, and, and the younger firefighters will learn as they go along, uh, that you get exposed to a lot of things so that your body, you know, it, it wears. And especially the lungs, protect those lungs as much as you can. Um, because, you know, now, especially something like this that attacks your home, your lungs, you got you to gotta be extra cautious. So that's really what it's done is, is it's made me much more cautious, um, a little more hesitant to go out and, and gather with people. But uh, I've been able to find ways, you know, i.e. through charitable works like what I've been doing or I expressed to you before we started recording and also uh, golf course. I mean, you know, it's funny because uh, literally golf has become my new code nine. Uh, you know, I made, I meet up with a couple of guys. Can you just explain what number one, what charitable stuff you're doing and then also what code nine is for people that aren't, maybe aren't from this fire department, not familiar with code nine. Oh, okay. Uh, charitable work that I've done is uh, I've involved myself. Uh, well, one, uh, I started a scholarship with the, the Bomberos uh, to help underprivileged kids or kids that want to uh, become involved in helping their community, educating themselves. Uh, I, I recently awarded my first scholarship to a young lady uh, from Imperial Valley who wants to become a teacher. And those are the kinds of people that I'd like to uh, encourage and uh, help them what little bit I can to uh, help them achieve their dreams and their goals because I was fortunate enough that I was able to do that and achieve my goals. So I'm just kind of sharing it. And uh, other things, I, I was, I'm involved with the uh, Freemasons and we've done a few philanthropic things there with uh, Dewey Elementary over in the Loma Portal area near Station 20. And uh, also with uh, a couple of other little uh, uh, philanthropic programs. One is called uh, Princess Project, which uh, buys uh, skirts or excuse me, prom dresses for underprivileged girls so they can attend prom. And also uh, something called Music in the Classroom, uh, which provides musical instruments for kids with learning disabilities so that it, it's, it's studies have shown that kids with learning disabilities seem to focus a little bit better with their attention spans and what have you when they are playing music, so to speak. So it's, it's kind of a learning tool and, and it's, it's proven effective and it's going on right now in the San Diego Unified School District. So uh, those are things that um, I've been involved with uh, along with the golf course. And again, you wanted me to explain code nine. That was just a, a code that we would use to go out and, and exercise mm -hmm. uh, to get out. You know, I don't know how this, what, what it is, how it goes on now at the stations. Uh, but back in, when I was on the department, we would uh, take as a crew, go out before shopping and we would go to a local park or an area, a school and exercise, run, jog. And of course we also lifted weights in the station, so on and so forth. That's what code nine is, exercise. Yeah. Uh, and also I'd like to share, because I am very, very proud of her, uh, a, a charitable work that sh my daughter has done in uh, Moore County, North Carolina. <laughs> uh, okay, I guess I'll jump into that then. Please do, yeah. So, you know, so my father uh, joined the Freemasons at the time. Um, I actually stood by him for part of his year as, as, Daddy, what's the right term there? Your Master. 
master. No, but when I was with you doing your meetings, as you're standing in as your first lady, essentially. Yes, essentially. So yeah. I had gone to his meetings with him, and um, I don't know. I was very proud of what he was doing, um, and the fact that he <clears throat> found something that he was going to dedicate himself to for years at a time. And we left California back in 2017. We now live in North Carolina, and um, you know, upgrading my life and trying to find a tribe of women that I resonated with. And I joined the, the Junior League of Moore County. Um, and very quickly, I super immersed myself inside the organization. And I'm the sitting president this year. And it's only been two, almost three years. So it's been a very quick and furious uh, pace for me to move through our leadership. Um, but I found a lot of time I've got a chance to spend Powers talking to my dad about like his experiences moving up the line, as they call it, and you know, in the Masons, and then just me moving through our, our management to board our board positions, you know, things that we wanted to different changes we'd like to see inside the organization, not only in time in terms of internal culture, but how we were touching our communities and in what way that we were contributing to our communities. Uh, you know, was it meaningful? How are we investing our time there? So it's been really cool at this phase in, in, in my life to be able to share that with my dad and to have this sort of volunteers and thread that I'll be honest, I didn't even really knew no knew we had it until, you know, he started going into the Masons. And so it's conversations that continue to this day. Yes, what I particularly, our particular organization, our focus is um, at-risk youth and uh, fundraising money to be able to develop programs or support programs. I live in rural North Carolina. And while Piners itself has a level of affluency, perhaps a lot, it's a resort town, it's a golf town. It's, you know, the, the birth, I guess, of golf in, in the United States. Um, it's also very rural. And it's large, and there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of children living below the poverty line. So um, that's the work that I that I'm volunteer work I'm doing here. Oh, it's amazing. What I'm hearing from both of you is is a, a commitment to serving that uh, resonates with us as first responders. And um, I'm I'm just I'm really really proud to hear that that you guys are giving back and and um, continuing. Christina, continuing the legacy that your dad set up, that's, um, that's something that all parents, um, I'm sure, would be very proud of and, and could definitely strive for. So that um, kudos to you both. Um, Thank, you. Thank you. Well, guys, uh, with that in mind, you ready to get this thing going? Let's go. All right. So here comes your first alarm. You will recall a first alarm assignment on the San Diego Fire Department is four engines and a truck. But here at the firehouse, I'll ask you four questions. You give us one piece of advice. That sound good? Fair enough. All right. Let's go. I'll do my All best. Right, so uh, you're first in on your first uh, on your first alarm. So I need to size up, but that's who you are, where you okay. work, and how long you did it for. Okay. Uh, my name is Zeke Sanchez. Uh, I retired in my official retirement date is uh, March 28, 2012. Uh, I served uh, on the San Diego Fire Department for 32 years. Uh, I'm part of the 21st Fire Academy, the finest academy this department has ever known. No, I heard it's uh, the second finest. <laughs> Cap, I, I heard it's the second finest. We heard the second. <laughs> uh, but uh, the bulk of my career was spent at Fire Station 11. I spent uh, three years as a back then they were called hoseman, and uh, and then I spent 12 years as a captain. I also spent time in the dispatch center as a dispatch captain. Uh, spent time at station 20, station 23, and I retired out of station 40. Wow, that's a, a great long career. Uh, 
as I recall, it's the Station Eleven up in Golden Hill uh, used to be called the Rangers. Is that right? Yeah, that was a B division thing. Division. Yeah, we're not going to go there. <laughs> let's not go there then. Yeah, let's not yeah, go there. No, let's not go there. <laughs> uh, well, again, thank you for your service to our department. Um, I can tell you that uh, I enjoyed our time working together, although it was short. I was new on the job um, back mm -hmm. then, but uh, I did I did enjoy the, the few shifts that we worked together. Um, how, uh, how do you think, you know, throughout your career, I'm sure you saw the economy go up and down over time. Mm -hmm. um, you lived through the 2008, 2009 financial crisis. Um, what sort of things today, how the pandemic is today and how things, how it's affecting the economy. Are there any similarities or things that we should be looking out for so that, you know, we can, we can better plan. Oh, wow. Um, the, the similarities there, there aren't many simply because this is, totally unique. Uh, I mean, there have been other pandemics uh, throughout my career. There was the MERS and the SARS and, and those, but we seem to have been better prepared for those to where uh, we didn't have it as out of control as it is this particular pandemic. Now, it's unique. I'm sure that it is. I'm not, I'm not uh, saying that it isn't, but somehow, there was a little better, better organization in, to address our safety and the, and the public safety. Uh, so that, yes, people did catch these things, but it seemed to have not gotten out of hand like this particular one has. I mean, I, last I saw, we're like at 160,000 deaths. That's a lot. Yeah. And, and, you know, probably the biggest pandemic that, that I dealt with was the AIDS uh, pandemic uh, and Golden Hill at that time, I was station 11 and Golden Hill. And I didn't know it at the time, but there were a lot of homes there, care homes, care facilities that were taking in AIDS patients. So we ran on quite a few and yet we, as far as I know, none of us ever contracted AIDS. So, or even um, uh, HIV. So, uh, we, we, we took good care of ourselves and we addressed the, those things every time consistently. So that it's, this is a unique experience. Yeah. The one thing that I can say about any, any pandemic of any kind is on, on a personal level is that you want to, to create some kind of a buffer because it, you might take a hit financially. And, and that's what you want to do is create some kind of a, a, a safety fund, if you will, so that if something unforeseen arises, you're able to respond to, respond to it uh, so that it doesn't, you don't lose everything. I think yeah. that would be the appropriate term. Yeah, we talk about um, having a little emergency fund, which is the exact same thing you're talking about, because mm -hmm. things will come up. And if you're caught out and you have to put you know, uh, some emergency comes up and you have to put it on a credit card or something, you're going to be paying all this huge interest. And, and exactly. it, it ruins a lot of people. So I really do like that, um, hearing you say that. When you came on, um, what, what was sort of your, your understanding about personal finance? What was your background in, in any of this? I know for me, it was nothing. I knew absolutely nothing about it, even though yeah. I, I had a, a college degree. I, I thought myself as an educated person. It, I had no financial literacy. What was yours as you came on? 
I think I'm, I, I fall in with the, the, the majority of people that come on the job that have absolutely no knowledge or understanding of personal finances. Uh, so I, I was in that same situation. I was young. Uh, I was uh, worried and concerned and about providing for my family. So the first and foremost thing that I was looking for is a means of income so that, you know, I, I was able to address my family's needs. Uh, and, and finances were kind of in the background. Uh, the biggest thing that the biggest goal that I had in mind uh, once I did land this job was to provide a home, a house, a physical place where my kids could come home and say, this is our home. This is our house. And I, I did that, you know, and then after that, it was up to myself and their mom to keep that home there available to them. Oh, so great. that they felt secure. Yeah. No, I love that. You, you, when we were talking offline before, you mentioned a piece of advice your father gave you about yes. uh, saving. Can you just share yes. that first? Yeah, very simply. Uh, one piece of advice, which I really took to heart, and I, I tried my best to live to it. And what it was is he says, if you earn a dollar, and you spend 90 cents and save 10 cents of that dollar, you will do well. But if you earn a dollar and spend a dollar and 10 cents, you're going to be in trouble pretty quick. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a truism, it really is. Um, a lot of people don't recognize that. They think it's an easy payment plan, uh, you know, and in today's society, and it's, I've, I've noticed that throughout the generations that have been coming up after me, uh, there's a lot of advertising for getting into debt. Mm -hmm. And they even say, you know, we, easy payment plan, all of this. And now it's debt consolidation. Right. What you're not hearing is debt payoff. Yeah. And that, believe me, is the basis of all financial plans, is yeah. to leave the job without debt. Um, you can do that, I promise you, that you will live a comfortable life. Now, let me make sure that I clarify that for yeah. you. If you came on the fire service to get rich, you picked <laughs> the wrong career. Wrong job. <laughs> okay, it's yeah. the wrong job. Yep. Everybody and anybody who made their wealth while they were in the fire service made it in something other than the fire service. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is a blue collar job. Mm -hmm. So it ha has certain requirements to, 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 that you have to fulfill in order to live comfortably. And if you can do that when you retire, you, like I said, you'll, you'll be comfortable. You're not going to be rich. You'll be able to afford those things that you want to make your life convenient and comfortable. But, you know, that house in Rancho Santa Fe, uh, no, no, no. That's probably not in the cards. But I think that's the goal for all of us is to, is to get to the point where in 20 or 30 years from now, we can, 
We can sit and do the things that we want to do. We can go visit our children who have moved away. We can go play golf if we want to. We can, we can give charitably if that's what is, what is inside our hearts. That's the goal for everybody. And so I, I just I absolutely love what you said there. Um, Christina, looking back, do you, do you remember having talks around the dinner table with your, with your dad about finances? Or was that a subject <clears throat> that was kind of off the table? It wasn't um, off the table as in terms of, of you know, taboo per se, um, you know, and he had mentioned offline um, that, you know, he had children very young. Um, and, and so I always kind of give my parents that grace of that they were kind of kids raising kids. And I think that, you know, to some degree, you know, my dad gave all that he could for what he in those moments, but he didn't have a lot of financial literacy of his own. And so there wasn't much necessarily to educate to his children. So there wasn't a lot of conversations um, around the dinner table. In fact, I don't think my father and I have started, we just recently started having true conversations around financial planning, financial literacy. I mean, no one taught me about credit cards and interest sent me off to Santa Clara and you know, right there in front of Benton, that little table, they're just like giving out credit cards, like they're giving out yep. Tic Tacs, yep. you know? So um, <laughs> I, learned, uh, I learned a lot about finances the incredibly hard way um, of just life lessons, which a lot of people do that, yes. Um, but I think, you know, financial literacy and financial education, um, it's not something you really get in school. It is something you get at home. So depending upon, I think, where that generation is at and what they're able to provide to their children is kind of what you get, yep. is kind of what you get. So um, I have a six-year-old and um, I have already, you know, kind of like mapped out in my mind how early I want to start working with him around, you know, around money and how it goes in the penny and his, you know, piggy bank and I'll be honest, Daddy. I never heard the story about the dollar ninety cents, dollar ten. But I'm going to steal oh, that, whichever go. grandfather you got it from. There you go. um, <laughs> Grandpa Sanchez, by the way. Grandpa Sanchez, thank you. Yeah. Um, and then I will be, um, you know, using something in that simplicity for my son. So no, there wasn't a lot of conversation about it, and I still have a lot to learn. And and this pandemic for us, from a financial point of view, has um, has hit my family incredibly hard. So. Um, and it kind of goes back to that, well, how prepared was I? I mean, I could be as prepared as I could have been, but it wasn't enough. Yeah. No, and that's the scary part about this thing is um, it's, it's affected absolutely everybody in ways that it was really hard to anticipate. Um, but the, the piece about having the conversations around financial literacy, financial education, because we didn't get it in school, we didn't get it at home. I'm trying with the firehouse to just get that conversation going so that the mistakes yep. that have already been made aren't being yep. perpetuated for the next generation of people coming through. Um, but the big picture is um, we can't, we can't beat ourselves up over it, right? We've all made these mistakes. We wish we didn't make and, and wish we would have done this before, but there's a great quote by CS Lewis. that says, well, you can't change the past. You can start right here right now and change the future. And that's like the mentality I have when I'm, when I'm wanting to beat myself up because I made a dumb financial decision or something. But, um, I, I, I appreciate you sharing that story. I, I can tell that it's, it's raw and it hurts, but, um, we can all improve from it. So that's cool. Um, Zeke, looking back, is there anything you would have done differently as it relates to your finances or, or did you, did you have a plan and, and, and follow it all the way through? 
Well, you know, yeah, I, I had a plan. I had this mental image of what I wanted. We call it retirement. But, you know, when you're, when you're living through it and life has, throws all these curveballs at you and what have you, you have to respond to those immediately. So sometimes the, that plan um, takes a back seat, really, because you do have things like kids in school, uh, you know, house payments, uh, you know, no overtime. So, you know, sometimes the paychecks are a little short, that sort of thing. There, there are financial stressors that, that prevented me from keeping that. But I didn't lose my focus because the one thing that I didn't realize back then that all of the younger firefighters, the ones that are now coming on the job, and even those that have been on the job now, as funny as this may sound to you, you may not recognize this, but you already have a plan in motion. Now what you're doing is you're trying to bring it into fruition. And as long as you don't spend that money now and just hold on to it and let it grow, it will eventually grow enough that you will be able to live comfortably. And, and that's what a lot of people, a lot of people, like you said, they get lost in that whole credit thing. They don't, they can't recognize that every dollar that you spend now that you don't pay back now is a dollar that you're taking away from your future earnings. That's perfect. Yeah. And, and you know, and if you do that, again, it goes to earning that dollar and spending a dollar and 10 cents. Mm -hmm. See? Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, I love so, that. I'm making a note of that. I interviewed Aaron Bothwell recently, and he was talking about Dave Ramsey, who's this financial guru who talks all about eliminating bad debt, so like credit card debt and that sort of stuff, because it does it just it just eats you up, and and you pay all these high interest rates and all this stuff. And I'll link to it in the show notes. But um, I think what you're saying is is while it, it's simple, sometimes it's not easy, right? Because of the things that come up, you have a plan, but then sometimes things come up. That's why it's really important to have that emergency fund. Mm -hmm. But the simplicity of if you, if you make a dollar and you save 10 cents of it, if you think of it in those terms, it's just perfect. Just save 10 cents out of, out of every dollar, saving 10%. Uh, you'll be way ahead of the game when you're Absolutely. looking back um, sitting where you are. So I just think that's fantastic. Um, is there one more piece of advice that you could give either the younger people coming on the job or, or more senior folks? Um, one piece of advice as it relates to relates to personal finance or, or um, just motivation or personal development or something like that? Uh, I'd give you two, okay? okay? The first one that I would give you is do not, and let me emphasize not, become reliant on will work. Overtime. Overtime, yeah, exactly. Do not become reliant on overtime, uh, and that's what happens a lot, especially with the younger guys. Because let me see, how can I how can I explain this? I mean, I can jump in on a piece of that for you, Dad. Please go right ahead. You know? I I I watched my father for all the years that I can think of until I left for college, chasing down overtime to catch up with the credit cards to sure. make the ends meet it was always chasing overtime. And those 72 hour stretches, when I needed him to be home, he wasn't. Yeah, uh, that, that, that hits perfectly at home. That, 
that is going to resonate so clearly with our folks, Christina, because it, it kills us when we do have to be gone, when we have mm-hmm. to miss birthdays and Christmas mm-hmm. and all the things where we're desperate to be home. And um, we know on the back end, uh, you know, if, if we have all these credit cards or we have bills that we have to pay and, and overtime is plentiful, it's really tempting to, to take it. To, mm-hmm. to make those ends meet, like you said. And um, it's, it's really humbling to have you here to share, you know, your side of that story, because um, yeah. in the end, you know, we're working this hard to provide a life for the people that we love. Um, what we're experiencing now is mandatory overtime. And so we have, we have a, a, a shortage we in, in each rank where we don't have enough people to fill the seats. And so they force us to work overtime to keep constant staffing. And so those 72 hour shifts can turn into 96 hours away from home. Wow. Um, and, but I think it's important to remember what you guys are talking about is don't, don't just go out and spend that overtime money on miscellaneous junk that you don't need because there is a price to pay on the back end and it's being away from home. And um, yeah. seeing this. If, I, if I may, if I yeah. may add to that, Kyle, yeah. uh, it is actually a golden opportunity to get ahead financially because it is mandatory. And like you said, you don't need to spend it on superfluous stuff. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is the time that you've got this extra money coming in, pay down those debts or pay them off completely. And then focus on paying off your house. If you own a house in Southern California, when you retire, cash money, you can go just about anywhere, 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 buy a house and still have a couple extra hundred thousand dollars to add to your retirement fund. That's mm-hmm. So that's, this is an opportunity to do that. Yeah. instead of, of doing that because we do you know we mentioned earlier about credit cards and how nobody ever tells you to pay them off you just consolidate your debt and keep making payments mm-hmm. you know pay that stuff off have a plan to pay all of that stuff off and then go on and pay off your house and believe me when i say this keep once you've paid off that mortgage and you start socking that money away think in terms of drop I mean, after a while, that money just starts cascading and that compounding. And before too long, you're going to have what a friend of mine uh, on the job, a retired engineer, uh, said he called it a happy problem. And and then the other thing that you also want to do is you want to, once you find yourself in the position where you can start growing that nest egg, find a a professional be it CPA, financial planner, whatever you choose to call them, find that professional who will help guide you through that. I mean, all you have to do is think of your profession. No one calls an electrician for a, put out a fire. <laughs> they call the professional. Yeah. Well, because most of us come in and don't have that kind of background, that kind of knowledge or expertise, bring in somebody onto your team, because that's what you're developing. You're developing a team to help guide you through that. That's a resource that you're developing. That's perfect. I just interviewed a CFP here in town who's a formal Navy 
uh, EOD officer and named mm -hmm. Jeff Rotherham, um, who was saying the exact same thing. He said the exact same thing. He said, you would never call me to come put out a fire. You never mm -hmm. would. Why, why are you guys all trying to do this on your own? Right. Hire the pros to, to do it. That's just, that's right yeah. on the money. And, um, and the first question, let me, let me address this while I can, if I may, Kyle. The first question that most people will ask, well, what's it going to cost? Right. Everybody's worried about the cost. Right. You know what? Let me be very honest here. I don't look at, to see what it costs because quite frankly, if my statement is showing growth, then you know what? Those people are entitled to make a living. Of course. Of you course. see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So don't worry about the cost. Worry about the results. Yeah. That's what you really want to focus on. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. I love that. Thank you for that. Well, um, I think with that, Captain Sanchez, you got knocked down on your first alarm. I know it's been a while, but you still got it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank uh, you. With that, if, uh, if people are learning, looking to learn more about you, where could they find you? Well, they can definitely email me. Uh, they can find me at Zeke and Sherry at spcglobal.net. Let me spell that out. It's Z-E-K-E-N as in November, S-H-E-R-E-E -E -E at sbcglobal.net. Perfect. Uh, Christina, what about you? If they're looking to learn more about you or possibly the Junior League of Moore County, where could they find you? Well, Junior League of Moore County, you can find that on Facebook just by Googling that and searching that in. And you can find me as well on Facebook uh, by my full name, Christina Sanchez Stokes, or um, facebook.com forward slash Dr. Christina, D-R-C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. Awesome. Well, I will link to all that stuff in the show notes. Um, and guys, I just can't thank you enough for your time today. This, uh, this was a really awesome conversation. It was great catching up with you both. Um, and I think people listening will get a lot of value, uh, value out of it. So thank you both. Thank you very much, Kyle. All right. Thanks again to Zeke and Christina for meeting me here in the bullpen today. I feel truly blessed to have spent time uh, hearing their story. Their openness about sharing the ups and downs of being in a fire family is just really special. Um, their commitment to serving others is also um, just outstanding, something we can aspire to ourselves. If you'd like to learn more about Zeke, you can find him um, on his email, zekeandsheree at sbcglobal.net. If you'd like to learn more about Christina, you can find her on Facebook at Christina Sanchez Stokes. If you'd like to learn more about us, we're on Facebook at The Firehouse. That's f.i.r.ehouse. On Instagram, the underscore fire underscore house. On LinkedIn, The Firehouse Investors, or any place you listen to podcasts. If you learned something today and you'd like to hear more, please like, share, and subscribe, but no matter what you do, take this information, go out there, and get some. Station F.